We are this week in part seven, if you can believe it, of the series that we started several weeks ago, and this is the conclusion of this series. It's been a really good one where we've been taking a look at what Jesus said it means to be in relationship with him, and he really wanted to keep it simple for those that he was in relationship with, and he had invited uh, them to follow him. And so we've been talking about what it means to follow him over the last several several weeks. And, and if you're like me, you probably have an understanding that so many things in life kind of rise and fall on good leadership. Would you agree? So, I mean, we can talk about even something like we're going to watch today, the Rockies, a sports team, good management, good coaching, uh, makes a big difference. Um, when you talk about a company, good leadership makes a big difference in the places that we work. If you think about a school, good leadership in our schools makes a big difference. Uh, teachers that do a great job are great leaders. They know how to motivate and they know how to help our kids. The same is true in our lives personally. And as we've been talking about what it means to follow, um, it's important for us to understand as we bring conclusion to this series that it's one thing to know what we've been talking about and to see clearly from Scripture what Jesus says it means to to follow him, and it's another thing entirely to actually step up and lead ourselves in a way that will help us to truly become the followers that God wants us to do. So that's what I want to look at today, because I believe with my whole heart that if you say you're a Christ follower, you are following the greatest leader to ever grace this planet, greatest leader. You think about what he did in three years, and you think about how many franchises he has today, that's a big deal. Never racked up frequent flyer miles, never had a website or a marketing director, but changed the world. How did he do it? How did he do it? And today we're going to have an opportunity to take a look at a passage of scripture that is just awesome. And, and listen, I know that when we talk about leadership, there's so many that think, well, I mean, you're talking about somebody besides me. And I don't want you to let yourself go there today because every single one of us are leaders. Every single one of us leads somewhere. Every single one of us have someone that looks to us to help lead. And, and it might even just be today that you need to personally, and this is where we want to start, be challenged that you will also lead yourself. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Well, how does this work? The greatest leader that ever lived. And as we finish this series today, we want to jump into this story from Jesus' life where he shared with his disciples the secret to his revolutionary leadership. What was it? that changed our lives and literally changed the world. That all these thousands of years later, we continue to talk about what Jesus was talking about. We, talk, we see and hear stories of lives that have been changed. And today, as we finish this series, we've been talking about what it means to follow him well. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to conclude with each of us knowing that we need to be challenged to lead well, to lead well. And when we lead well, we can make a difference in those that are part of our life, but it's got to start in our lives personally first. So in this meeting that he has with his disciples, he shares his unique approach. His leadership style is clar clarified, and his, his followers are challenged to lead like he did. And what's so cool about this story is that we have a chance. You know, you've heard people say this. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that meeting. Well, he invites his disciples into the boardroom, so to speak, because they really need a conference bad because they were still struggling to understand what it meant to follow him. And so our main thought this week is this, and, and you can pull out your journey guides. You'll see it on the top. You might want to circle it, put a star next to it. Great leaders follow 
Jesus' example. Great leaders follow Jesus' example. So let me invite you into this intense moment with Jesus. And you know, he's running towards the end of his ministry here on earth, and he, he obviously knows what he's getting ready to face, right? He knows that he's going to be taken captive and falsely accused, that he's going to be mocked, that he's going to be beaten, and ultimately that he will hang on a cross. He knows what's coming. But what blows me away about his example of leadership is this. Even in the intensity of, of the reality of what he was going to face, his concern was for his guys. That blows my mind. It's counterintuitive and countercultural. Because you see, every single one of us have a tendency to live with different margins of narcissism, don't we? And if you knew what you were going to face, what Jesus was facing, I don't think you'd be worried about your 12 guys at that point. I think you'd be worried about yourself. But I want to invite you into this story. It's an incredible story. And I want you to see how his disciples still were struggling to understand what it meant to follow him, just like so often we struggle to understand. And his incredible example to us as we see this unfold. So you've got to see how this goes down. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. In, in Mark chapter 10, we see Jesus beginning to have this conversation with, with his disciples. In Mark chapter 10, you can turn in your Bibles or your smartphones, or we'll have it on this television here behind us, verse 32. Again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to go up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. So you now he's trying to give them some idea of what's going to happen. And he continues, and look what he says. He said, they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. Let's just pause for a second, and it's highly likely that most of you, some of you for sure, have read this passage of Scripture before. In the midst of all of this, his heart is to try and best prepare his guys for what's about to happen. He's worried about them. This was going to be pretty intense. You could imagine what this would be like if you were a Jesus follower, if you'd been hanging out with Jesus for the last three years on the inside circle of his crew, and all of a sudden you hear a message like this. What, just, just try for a second with me to project yourself into this story. How do you think you would be responding? You think there would be some confusion? You think there would obviously be some intense emotion, don't you think? can't imagine what it would have been like to be the disciples that day. I want you to see what happens here in this next verse because it's so much like us. Then James and John, two of the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, they come to him. Now, this is the next verse. Jesus has just told them what was going to happen. And they teach her, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Does that catch you as just a little bit interesting response? to the intensity, let me remind you again, let's look at this verse again, of what Jesus had just told them. They're gonna condemn him to death, and they're gonna mock him, and they're gonna spit on him, they're gonna flog him, and they're gonna kill him, and then three days later, he's gonna rise. And his disciples are like, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. Okay, whatever about all that stuff. You know, I'm good with that. Yeah, 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 whatever. You're, we're really sorry about the mocking, the spitting, the flogging, and the killing thing. But what we really want to know, Jesus, is if you will do something for us, will you do what we want you to do? And he goes, can you imagine what this must have been like? Of course, Jesus is curious, and he's wondering what's going on with his guys. Look what happens here. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right 
and the others sit on your left in your glory. Can you imagine how Jesus felt when these two guys say this? He's like, what? What? I'm trying to get you ready for the most intense thing that you're ever going to go through in your life. It's going down, and this is real. And I want you to be ready for this. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. So can you do something for us? We're just really concerned that wherever glory will end up being for you, can I sit on the left and he sit on the right? Can you imagine? Have you ever had one of those moments as a parent where you think you just nailed it? Where you felt like you did a great job in a teachable moment and you were like, whew, I didn't miss that one. I handled it just right. I brought the thunder. Now maybe I repeated myself too many times, but I killed it, right? And you get done and you ask your kid, do you have any questions? And they're like, do I have to have peanut butter and jelly in my sandwich tomorrow? And you're like, what? Did I just, you missed everything. This was like, this was like A plus parent of the year kind of stuff. And you totally missed it. That had to be kind of like what Jesus felt, but even way more intense than that. Are you kidding me? This has got to be what Jesus felt like. Jesus has got to be questioning whether or not these guys are really ready for what's getting ready to happen. Now we jump down to verse 41. Look what happens here. This is crazy. When the 10 heard about this, so you remember there was 12, right? So the other 10 see the sidebar meeting with the other two. And when they heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And we're like, whew, thank God, right? I mean, we're at a place where at least 83% of the team got it. They're ticked. They're ticked. And our minds and our hearts were thinking, man, these guys, they were so insensitive and uncaring and this is an intense moment. Didn't these two yahoos just hear what, what Jesus said? Are you kidding me? Man, the other 10, in reality, they feel left out. They kind of see what went down, and they see that the other two are negotiating for a better spot in glory, one on the left and one on the right. And I'm telling you that it really wasn't that 83% of the team gets it because a fight breaks out over the organizational chart of Jesus' followers. Now, this happens in all of our lives. You see, because we want to make following Jesus really about us instead of about him. And we see this example in the disciples' life, and this is exactly why I believe this story is recorded for us in the Gospels. And so Jesus calls a timeout. This is what a good coach would do here. This is what a great leader does. Timeout, timeout, timeout. we got to go to way back to fundamentals here because you've missed some critical, critical things. And I don't want you to miss this because if you miss this, this next chapter of your life is going to be a mess. You've got to understand how to lead right, and it starts with leading yourself. And that's how we follow well. So Jesus gets his guys back into the, into the boardroom for an important conversation. And now we get to be a fly on the wall to hear Jesus' heart as he's unpacking this for his followers so that they would really understand what it means to lead differently. Look what he says in verse 42, Mark chapter 10, Jesus calls them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. These two words, this is one of the only time that this is used in Greek literature, period. And it's talking about misuse of authority, something that the disciples would have seen very clearly because the Roman Empire led this way. Their military was this way. They lorded their authority over the people that they were responsible for leading. And it wasn't fun, right? As a matter of fact, that's what the disciples were hoping to be freed from. But when they come and talk to Jesus about what's going on, 
he uses this example here. It carries the idea of the abuse of authority, and they totally got this. And so he, he unpacks this for them, and of course it catches their hearts. And then look what he says in this next verse. He, he says this, not so with you. He says this to you, and he says this to me. He says it to his guys, that if you're going to follow him, you need to learn how to lead different. You need to learn how to lead yourself different. You need to not make this following about you. You need to make this following about him. Not so with us, that we would live narcissistically, that we would make it about us instead of about him. He's saying, you guys need to see this different. I need your hearts on this one. You see, the following that I've been challenging you to do, it hangs in the balance now because things are going to get tough. And some of you know this. Some of you know that following Jesus is not always easy, is it? And that's why we have to capture the heart of our incredible leader on this. And he, what he was saying, we can't miss. We can't miss this one. Wherever you end up leading, wherever you are called to step up and lead, where your words weigh the most, you carry the big stick, your name is on the desk, people are looking you to, to, to you to lead, whether it's in your job or whether it's in your home or whether students, it's in the classroom or perhaps on an athletic field. When you are called upon to lead, you need to do it different. If you're a teacher, if you're a principal, if you're a pastor, do it different. Not so with you. Follow my example. If you're going to live your lives the way I want you to, it's going to be from an entirely different perspective. You really want to be great? Then this is what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to follow. And he finishes in verse 43 and 44 saying this, instead, so we're going to do it different. Instead of the way you've seen misuse of authority, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. How do you think this felt to the disciples when they heard this? This was rocking their world, and it should rock our world too. If you want to be great, you got to be a servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. We know that this is what Jesus was, was talking to and leading as an example. He has been talking to them about this for, for years, and they still hadn't caught it. They didn't see it in the way that he led himself, always concerned about other people. You see, Jesus had plans for these guys to be great, and over the course of this series, I hope one of the things that you've captured is that in following Jesus and really embracing this relationship with him, what you're also doing is understanding that God has a plan for you to be great, for you to do great things for him, but it's not great because we get positionally ahead of others, but it's because we become leaders like he was a leader, and we lead ourselves this way, and we lead in the environments that God has put us in to lead this way as well. God has, guys, listen to me, great plans for you. He's calling each of us to follow him in this way. And so often, we believe that leadership is about being the most positionally powerful person in the room. And what Jesus was saying is that's not it at all. Here's the rub. The disciples thought that the whole point of being in charge was being in charge. They thought being in the inner circle meant that they would have authority, positional authority, because they were with this Jesus guy. They wanted it to be about them. And this just isn't true for Jesus followers back then. It's also true for Jesus followers today, because ultimately following him is not about us. It's about him. And that's counterintuitive, but this is a lesson we need to learn. As our main thought says, great leaders follow Jesus' example. And so we learn, starting 
with ourselves, to lead ourselves differently. And here, here is his point. We're to leverage our lives for the benefit of others. That's what great leaders do. That's what Jesus followers do. We leverage our lives for the benefit of others, and not everyone sees themselves as leaders, but in the reality, we all lead somewhere. We all lead somewhere. Look what happened with these disciples. You can remember, think back when we were in the first part of the story. So these two guys, they have this little sidebar meeting with Jesus, and they're getting selfish, right? They're leading the wrong way. They're not leading themselves well, and they want to positionally ask Jesus if if Jesus would do whatever they ask. And he's like, well, did you not hear what I just said? And then curiosity is also there, like, what, what, what do you want? Well, we want to be on the left and the right when you get to glory. Do you see what happens? Because selfishness breeds selfishness. The other ten hear what those two are doing, and they, like, rise up, right? Well, okay, hey, now you're taking me off. I want to be on the left. No, I want to be on the right. And they, all of a sudden, they're negotiating the flow chart of Jesus' followers where Jesus wants to flip the whole flow chart upside down and say, listen, it's not about you. And he knows what his guys are getting ready to face, and it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be some hard things coming down the pipe here. And if you're going to make it through that, you're going to have to be clear on one thing. Your life matters, and you need to lead yourself well. You need to follow Jesus' example. Lead like him by caring about others. So he says, look at it again instead in verse 43. Whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant, a servant. Look at me, guys. How you doing with that? Are you good at that? You want to revolutionize the way you lead wherever it is that God has put you? Start there. You become a servant to the crew that you're leading and stop making it about you. Make it about them, and I promise you, your team will flip upside down. Your family, your marriage will flip upside down. That little league team that you coach, it's not about you. Be a servant. Wherever God has placed you at work, you have a responsibility to lead like Jesus. And if we're going to follow him, we're going to do this well. So we become a servant. We become a slave to all so that we have opportunity to show others what it really means to follow Jesus. Great leaders follow Jesus' example. So how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to lead great? Let's get practical here. The starting point of leading great is leading yourself. You see, it's one thing to hear what we've talked about. It's another thing to actually apply it to your life, which is the challenge. I wish there was a way for me to finagle my way into your life and make that decision for you. As a matter of fact, I wish there was a way for you to finagle your way into my life and make that decision for me on a daily basis. Doug, you're following well today. You're going to lead well. You're going to be a servant. You're going to make it about other people and not yourself. Okay. I wish I could do that for you on Monday. I wish I could do that for you in your marriage. I wish I could do that for you in your relationship with your kids. I wish I could, but I can't. You know, there's a lot of people that claim to be great leaders out there but can't lead themselves. And you know what happens? They will implode. They will implode. If you can't lead yourself, you're not a great leader. And you're also not following Jesus the way he wants you to follow. And that's the challenge of this series, to take a look at what Jesus said and lead yourself to following him well, even when that's counterintuitive and countercultural. How are we going to do that? (coughs) You're going to have to step up and lead in a great way. You see, the question you need to be asking yourself is this. Who are you when no one else is watching? When the spotlight's not on. When you're by yourself. When it seems like there is no accountability. 
When the spotlight's not on you, the eyes aren't on you, who are you? How are you leading yourself? It's an entirely different thing for us to put into action what we've heard. This week, I was reading in my devotional time. You might remember at the beginning of the year, I I shared with you that one of the things I knew the Lord was challenging me to do was to read through the entire uh, Bible again. So I get an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading and a Psalm and a Proverb every day, and I'm I'm on track. I'm 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 off by a day or two because I went fishing this week, but um, I'm close. I'm really close. And I was reading a passage of scripture. So it was a kind of an emotional um, week for me. On, on Tuesday morning, all the guys went out fishing and I stayed back because I had to write my sermon. That's, you know, what I do. And uh, I was sitting in this camper and I was writing my sermon and every single week uh, before, the first thing I do is I open up the calendar to make sure I have the Saturday and Sunday date right because I put it on top of my notes so that I can use that for reference in the future. And, and uh, I opened up my calendar and I looked at I looked at the date, and uh, you see it's sneaking up on me again. I got about a week left before we take number two to college. I thought it would be easier. And so I start thinking about, like, the dynamics of how things change when Luke's not there. I don't like that. And I've been reading in my devotions that day, and there was this really beautiful passage of Scripture where uh, King David is getting ready to hand off the throne to King Solomon. And Solomon's going to build the temple. And there's this really beautiful moment in Chronicles where he shares some fatherly advice with, with his son, And it's some advice that we need to hear today. College students that are here, listen to me. Uh, You need to hear this. This is for you. Uh, I knew when I read this that this was for Luke as he's heading off to go to school. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, if you're a student, please write that down. 1 Chronicles 28, 9 through 10, and David is speaking. This is a daddy to his son. He's getting ready to lead. He says this powerful thing to his kid. Solomon, my son... Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart. And a willing mind for the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And then he says, take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. And so I immediately had to stop my reading and open up my journal and write a few things down. And uh, Luke was here last night, so I could speak directly to him. And he's working this morning, so he's not here. But I want to show you what I told Luke. And I want this to hit you today, too, because this is really what it means to lead yourself well. And that's what David was challenging his son to do. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Uh, Students that are getting ready to leave, listen to me. This is powerful challenge. You need to hear what he said. Now look at this as we highlight these words. Solomon, my son, please learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Starting to sound a little bit like our mantra around here, right? Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. What does it mean? Intimacy with God. We worship and serve him How do we do that? 
with our whole heart, with our whole heart, and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and he knows every plan and thought. And he says, if you seek him, you will find him. Listen to me, this is how we lead ourselves well. We seek him, and when we do, we find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And then he says this to his son, take this seriously. And he's saying that to each of us today. Take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. And students, listen to me. This is, this is what you need to hear today. Be strong and do the work. One of the things I've told my kids, someone shared this with me a few years back, and it was so powerful. When you go from your place of familiarity, whether it's in a new place of work, or maybe it's in a new community, or maybe it's going off to college, what I challenge you to do is within the first 24 hours, you drive the stake in the ground, and you put your flag up so people know who you are. Because if you don't do that, it gets easy to compromise. So you let it be known from the get-go that you're different, that you're going to lead yourself differently, that you're going to do this different because you're a Christ follower. Intimacy with God. This is where following begins. You've got to lead yourself because great leaders follow Jesus' example. That challenge again, instead, we don't lead with, with uh, some kind of authoritative position instead Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, because we follow the greatest leader of all time. We're going to take communion today, and we practice what we call open communion, and so it's not about, it's not about church membership, because we don't even do that. It's about your personal relationship with the Lord. We invite you to take communion with us if you have a relationship with him. So as they're coming to distribute the communion elements, let me show you this verse. Paul says basically the same thing that uh, was being challenged here in Philippians. So let's look at this verse. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have, and this is powerful, the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The challenge is to follow his example, and by following his example, this should compel others around us to want to know what it is that makes us lead ourselves this way. What is it that makes us lead in a way that looks so different to the world around us? You see, great followers, great leaders follow Jesus' example. The way you personally, men, listen to me, the way you lead yourself in your personal relationship with God should challenge your wife to want to live for Jesus too. Ladies, listen to me. The way that you passionately lead yourself to be in an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe should challenge your husband to want to do the same. Parents together, your pursuit of God should be something that compels your kids to want to love God like you do. The way that you lead yourself, whether it's in a place of work or in some other place that God has put you to lead, the way that you lead should compel others to want to understand what makes you different, what makes you lead the way you do, what makes you care the way you do, what makes you live selflessly the way you do. And when we live that way, we have opportunity to change the world, just like Jesus was changing the world. There might be someone that's here today that has never made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe today, as we're finishing up this series, you felt... You felt that challenge. Maybe you want to make a decision today to begin your journey of following him. Like we've talked about, it's going to start with you 
leading yourself well. It's going to start with you being reminded that it's really not about you. It's about him. And he has great plans for you. And as you learn to follow him and learn what that means to live differently because of his leadership and your leadership, it's going to kind of be a game changer for you. If that's you today, will you just pray this simple prayer with me? Father, I realize today that I need to follow you. I'm tired of making this life just about me, and I know I've fallen short of your perfect standard. I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for what you did on the cross. And today I accept that you did that for me. I invite you to be the Lord of my life, and I ask you now that you would give me the strength and the courage and the leadership needed to follow you. In your name we pray. I want to do something. I, <clears throat> I didn't do this last night, but as you can keep the lights down for just a second. Um, as we were singing that song, I was... thinking about uh, our students, in particular, those that are going off to college. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're here today and you're getting ready to head out to school, will you just come up here in this front row? Can you do that right now? Just move right now because I need to talk to you. Thanks, guys. I know it's weird to sit down here for a second. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to uh, my mentor, who was one of my professors when I was in college. And uh, we were just talking about our kids going off to college because he's got kids that are doing the same. And we were just talking about that and he said this to me and it was super profound. He said this, if I was the enemy of your soul, here's what I would do. When you get to be about your age, I would take you out of the home that you were being raised in and the accountability that you had there. And he said, what I would do is put you in one of the most godless places that I could possibly find where actually sin is celebrated, where it's really hard to lead yourself to follow Jesus well. And I would throw all kinds of crazy thoughts and ideas into your minds and trying to somehow make what we know is not true, true. Scramble your head and your heart up a bunch where you have no accountability and let you try and fend for yourself for four years. And I would do everything if I was the enemy of your soul to jack your life up so bad. That it would take years, if possibly ever, to fully recover. That's not an easy place where you go. So we're going to pray for you.
you need to know there's people that care about you and that are standing with you guys. That you would make wise decisions. Surround yourself by the kind of people that will help you continue to live for Jesus. And if you're not living for Jesus now, that you would decide to do that. I want to pray for you, okay? Well, the rest of you stand. You guys can keep seated there. Father, together as a church, we pray for these incredible young people, many that I have relationships with. I pray for your protection over them. Help them to hear your voice, to discern truth. Lord, in this next chapter of their lives, as they go out and accountability is different, or mom and dad aren't there anymore, I pray that you will make faith their faith, not their parents' faith. Keep them from harm, Lord. When they're faced with temptation, keep them strong. Father, we pray that you will help them to do everything possible to avoid making mistakes that would be damaging to their, to their hearts, to their souls, to their minds, to their relationships. And Lord, will you birth into each of their hearts and their minds right now the plans that you have for their life, that they will know without a doubt that you love them, that you created them, and that when they learn to do what we talked about today, to live selflessly, Lord, I know many of these young people. I pray, God, that you will help them to change this world. Give them wisdom. Be with their parents. It's not easy to send our kids off. In your name we pray. Amen. Drive the flag in the ground. God's putting you there. Lead well. Lead yourselves well. Don't be afraid. Talk about Jesus to the people you meet. You're on mission from him there. And I can't wait to hear the stories of what God does, okay? Stay strong. We're praying for you. God, go with us now. As we finish this series, help us to live for you. To follow you well. In your name we pray. Amen.